When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I'm Ash Barami and I'm pleased to be joined by Stu Brennan. Hello there. And Tyrone Marshall. Hello. And, and uh, Stu, we have, there's only one place we really can start and that is the midweek Champions League game against Schalke, the last 16 game. Um, would you say in that game it, it was more City showing their mental strength more than anything else to come back from the position they were in? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a curious game, really, because you know the first half hour, City had something like eighty four percent possession. Schalke showed no ambition whatsoever. They didn't they didn't press City high. They didn't try and force them into mistakes. They just they just sat back and looked like they were in in damage limitation mode, you know. Um, and then they they get forward twice and win two two penalties um, in controversial circumstances and all of a sudden they felt they, they looked almost shocked to be to be two one ahead and then not really knowing what to do about it um, but yeah I mean it, but even even with City down to 10 men you still felt that they were the, the team that was more likely to score uh, and, and that proved to be the case because they got they got two in the last last few minutes to to win the game so it, it was a bizarre it was a, it's a nightmare for us in the up in the press box because you know, on big European nights, you've got tight deadlines, and you're uh, you're scrambling about trying to um, trying to uh, get your piece together um, or several pieces together, and 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 what's happening on the field is changing every two minutes. So you you're having to delete and start a rewrite, and and then you're deleting that and starting another rewrite. So it was one of those one of those mad European nights where. Well, you're all over the place, and it was just all over all over the place on the pitch as well. In a lot of ways, not a great City performance, um, but they, they came came good in the end with two two great goals towards the end, and uh, and now they're, they're in pole position to go through. Yeah, and Ty, would you say that almost as almost as promising for City as maybe just comfortably strolling out there winning four 0 because they've showed a different they're showing a different aspect yeah. to the game as opposed to just. Rollicking them. Yeah, they have. They have shown a different aspect, and it, you know it will encourage them that they did react to being two one down. Because I mean, it looked like Schalke was surprised to be two one up, and City was surprised to be two one down in that game. I don't think Schalke had particularly planned for being in the lead at any point. It, it seemed to come as a mighty surprise to them that they were actually winning. Um, yeah, and they did deal with it very well. Obviously, had the issue with the red card to deal with as well. So I think you know, I think the final 10, 15 minutes is. Would have would have pleased Guardiola an awful lot and given them a lot of a lot of belief going forwards and also the way. Yeah, I mean he made that substitution and took Aguero off for Sane towards the end and it came. I mean I wasn't at the game, um, but watching it, it, it felt like Sterling had sort of had a tough 15, 20 minutes before that out wide and it seemed that Sane for Sterling would be the obvious move and that substitution gets done and I was I was been getting Copenhagen holiday this week and watching it in a bar thinking that's. <laughs> strange one because to me it seems Sterling was the obvious one to go off and then Aguero goes off so you're like oh, interesting move and then to see it work 
you know, as well as it did, it's uh, it's the Midas touch from Guardiola, and you know, just the way they they dug out that victory and, and showed those fighting qualities, I think will please him. Yeah, yeah, there were some eyebrows raised, wasn't there, when Aguero did come off for Sani and thinking, maybe yeah. what, what's Pep done, but it worked. We, we should learn by now not to raise our eyebrows at anything that, that Pep does because <laughs> a number of times you see a team selection or a substitution, you think, what on earth is he doing? You know, this flies in the face of everything I've ever ever learned about football in the last forty years, and then. It works, and you think, ah, oh, yeah. And this, this is why people call him a genius because he, he seems to see things that aren't obvious. He sees things that other people don't see. Uh, yeah, and I, I was, I was the same as Ty when I, I thought it's, it's got to be Sterling. You know, you, you can uh, when you've been doing it for a, for a long while, you can usually pick the substitutions. You, you can see, you see who's warming up. You think, yeah, he's coming on, but he'll definitely come off. Mm. And most of the, even with Pep, you still get that right a lot of the time. But every now and then, he'll chuck one in like that, and you think, well, why? Why it Sterling was the obvious man to come off, uh, but just going back to uh, what you're saying about the character and everything going forward. I mean, the the other side of that coin is that, as Pep said himself afterwards, if we if we do this in the later stages, we're not going to go anywhere in the Champions League. Um, you know, concede two penalties, regardless of of the the rights and wrongs of it and the, and the way VAR influenced it. Um, concede two penalties get another red card City City's Champions League campaigns prior to Guardiola have been wrecked by red cards you know and, and, and even after he came Claudio, Claudio Bravo got sent off at Barcelona and that, that led to a heavy defeat uh, but you know looking back down the years Martin Di Michaelis and uh, um, you know, every every time they had a big game, they got a red card, and it just seemed to destroy any kind of impetus they had. So, you know, Otamendi should know better. Really, is too well. His, his first one was unlucky; he got booked for the the handball, didn't he? But uh, it, when he's on a yellow card, he's an experienced defender. He should be. Uh, he shouldn't be making challenges like that. So Pep made the point that got to cut out those those errors. Uh, regardless of how borderline they are, you've just got to make sure that you don't do them in the Champions League because it's the difference between going to the final and, uh, and going out in the last 16 or quarterfinals. Yeah, and maybe with that defence as well, when it is full strength. I mean, would you, do you think for the later stage and even the big the big games, do you think Pep might consider putting company in there if he is fit in if I, Mendy does return? I think company's first choice when he's fit. Mm. Um, it's just... Not often he's fit these days. Got to wrap him up in Cornwall. I mean, he brought him on um, in that game. He, he's very much his turn to man in, in terms of when we've got a bit of a crisis, uh, or even when they haven't got a bit of a crisis. Last season, the second half of the season, when company was fit, you know, he was out from just about the entire first half because he couldn't get right. Um, as soon as he was fit, it was him that was put into the team. It was him and Otamendi who were trusted to see see the the season through to its climax. Uh, this season again he was hit by injuries they lost those two games against Leicester and Palace who came into the team company they beat Southampton they beat Liverpool I mean when you see company up against Liverpool in his second game back with the pace they've got and you know company's struggled against pace in the past um, especially since he's, he's started having his injuries um, you kind of worry about it but he, he brings such leadership qualities and I, you know, if he stays clear of fitness for the for the end of the season, company will be, company and Laporte will be his first choice centre back pairing. I'm pretty mm. sure of that. Um, which is hard on John Stones because I think he's been good this season. But company brings a little bit of extra. He brings a bit of experience, a little bit of leadership. 
Uh, and we, we sometimes lose sight of the facts of what a bloody good defender he is as well. Mm. Ty, would you go along with that? Yeah, I think so. I think the, the concern for City and for Guardiola would be that their, their games in Europe generally in this season especially have been incredibly entertaining but they've been entertaining because both teams are really open they've considered a lot more goals in Europe this year than they have domestically and I mean partly that's because they had some very you know they came up in the group against some teams with interesting styles and styles that you wouldn't necessarily see in the Premier League which makes it tougher Hoffenheim, Leon, Czech de Donetsk are all good attacking teams um, Schalke perhaps less so it was two penalties but you know, the issue, the concern will be the amount of goals they're conceding in Europe. So, yeah, going to someone like company, who, as Stu says, is his, you know, is definitely his go-to man in a crisis or a big game or a game where, you know, City face a different kind of test, then I think, you know, that, that might be a route he goes down the later he goes in the tournament. Yeah, and I think as well, I mean, part of the reason City did concede, well, I mean, you have to remember that there were two penalties and there were, was VAR con- controversy. <laughs> Uh, Stu, you were in the press box on Wednesday night. Um, what was it like for you, from a reporting perspective, and maybe the others? Like when you were you unsure about what was going on? Were you just like it, the fans in that regard? It was an absolute like? shambles. Um, I mean, it would perhaps wouldn't have been so bad if they'd had uh, TV screens in the press box, which most places do these days. Um, but they didn't have them at Schalke. Uh, they didn't even show any replays on the big screens. Um, now I'm old enough to remember pre-TV screens when we had to just go off what, what you saw live anyway um, but you can think well, we've got the technology we should be using it and uh, nobody in the ground knew what on earth was going on you know, the referees pulling the two captains together and giving them a lecture um, he's, he's on his earpiece we're all thinking what what you know what is going on? I mean VAR. I, I I'm in favour of VAR, but it's got to be done in an open way. You see it at rugby league, uh, where they have the big screens and they show you that all the fans turn to the big screen and watch the incident, and then the fans are involved in it as well. You know they're involved in. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a try or that's not a try or whatever. And it's the same with you know it's the same with cricket. You you're watching it on the TV and you you get involved and it, it adds to the drama. But when no one's got a blind clue what on earth is going on, apart from the people who are watching at home on TV, you're kind of thinking, you know, people pay good money to watch this game. It's been ruined by you just sitting there uh, wondering wondering what's what's actually occurring down on the pitch. There's no, there's no no communication. There's nobody's telling you what what's happening. Um, and, and all the journalists in the press box are, are contacting their office saying, "Can you tell us what's going on?" <laughs> it, it's just it's crazy, you know. Uh, they, they've got to work that out. They've got to work out a way of communicating. The obvious way of doing it is big screens. And surely every, every club that's in the Champions League now should have big screens, and they should be showing the fans, keeping them up to date as to what exactly is going on. So for those that weren't that obviously weren't at the game, when from your perspective, there was a big screen that said, "Does it say VAR under review?" Is, I, I think I think they did flash up a message saying VAR. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 there was some kind of review, but at what point that came, I don't know because it's, it's kind of the, the one at Schalke is kind of above eye level. We're we're right high up on the, the tier, but it's, it's sort of it's a square one that's hanging down above the pitch. Uh, and unless you're looking up and looking and looking at it, which you know you're not necessarily, I, I wasn't doing at the time. But they flashed it up, and, and, but they didn't keep it there for very long, I think. Um, but they, you know what what they need to do is, is start showing the the replay of the incident 
That's what you need to see. You don't need just a, a message saying VAR under review because you've still got the referee walking around on the pitch, shouting the two captains over to him. The referee didn't look like he knew what he was doing half the time. You know, he was just sort of wandering about and getting getting shouted at by players. Um, is the concern not, and Tal, bring you in on this, it does, mm-hmm. is the concern not... <laughs> VAR decisions from one perspective can look like it is a foul one can look like it isn't a foul so if anything still showing the replay it can still divide people we've had instances this season it's it's been like that I'm not I don't think the technology is the issue the problem you've got is that it's still human beings making the decisions and it is kind of you know we could have differing opinions referees will have differing opinions on different issues so it's not going to be entirely foolproof because at the end of the day it's the one person's interpretation against another's and I think the case with the handball is like that I think there's a big split between people who think it was a penalty and people who think it wasn't so you're always going to get ones that that people disagree in theory it's been brought in for clear and obvious errors but you know I, I don't think that will particularly hold water I don't think it will get used purely for clear and obvious I think we've already seen it being used for much tighter calls as well where it's perhaps not clear and obvious but it looks 80% to be that or you're pretty certain it's that so they're going with it so I I don't think it's foolproof and there's always going to be an issue when it's you know referees just watching a TV because one referee will have a different opinion to the other one because so much of football is subjective so there's always going to be issues there and I think the handball was the prime one it's a very difficult call I'm I've always had a view. I think the handball. I think the handball laws are a complete waste of time. I don't think enough penalties are given for handball. Um, like the fact it's got to be deliberate, I, I think, is a nonsense. I think it allows people to put their arms out, make themselves wider, to gain an advantage, knowing full well that if they're not moving their arms towards the ball, they might get away with it. But if you've got your arm above your head or you've got your arm out by the side, then you're making yourself bigger, knowing full well what might happen if the ball hits you. Yeah. The Otamendi one is very marginal because he's. It does look like he's trying to pull his arm back into his side. But watching it on the slow-mo, it's so hard to work out whether the ball hits him and he moves it back behind his side or whether he's moving it back behind his side. So it's you know it's a massively subjective decision, that one. I think on that one, you, you've hit the nail on the head as well in terms of slow-mo because yeah. the VAR, we'll watch it in slow motion. Mm. And things look very different in slow motion. Yeah. Um, you know, it, even things like stamps... I remember Mario Balotelli getting done for a stamp against Spurs many years ago. And uh, in slow motion, it looked like one of the worst challenges you'll ever see. It looked mm. like he deliberately stamped on the guy's face. But when you when you saw it in real time, it didn't look anything like that. It looked like he was off balance and he, was, he quickly put his foot down and the guy's head happened to be in the way. So watching things on, on a slow motion replay... Is perhaps the worst thing you can do. I, 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 I'd go as far as to say that in VAR, they shouldn't be allowed to have a slow motion replay. It should, they should have to watch it the same as the referee watches it and make a decision on that basis. Because the shot that hit Otamendi was travelling. You don't get the impression of that on mm. slow motion. Yeah. He, he really got behind it. He put a lot of meat behind it. The chances of Otamendi getting his arm out of the way were... were impossible. There's no way he could get his arm out of the way. So there's no way it could be deliberate like Ty said, these days it's a case of is your arm in an unnatural position? Otamendi's arm was in a natural position. It was down by his side and he was trying to pull it further into his side. So how they can then decide that the referee had made a, an obvious error um, 
by giving a corner rather than a penalty is beyond me. But we then had the added farce that the TV screen at the side of the pitch, which the referee was meant to go and consult, wasn't working. <laughs> How can that happen? You're thinking, is this, there's somebody there whose job it must be to make sure that TV screen is working? Why isn't he checking it a dozen times during the day? You know, or, and then have another monitor available, have a backup system. You've got a big game. You know, you're talking about millions of pounds resting on these decisions. Oh, the TV screen's not working. It's ridiculous. And you know, if somebody doesn't get get the push for that, I don't I don't know what you have to do to to, to lose your job. Seems unprepared, doesn't it? The whole thing. It's, yeah. it's like it's, it feels like we're just all in the trial base as well. Like everyone's throwing ideas in. Well, we should maybe have one replay, or team should have two replays each. Yeah, it seems all a bit a little too bit. trial. A little bit. I do also think we seem to have somehow become obsessed as well by VAR. Like when you watch a game on TV, the commentators mention it constantly. Like just it's in the background. Just let it go. And there's a goal that goes in, and they're like, "Well, that's always being reviewed." Every goal's reviewed. It feels like, you know, certainly when you watch a game, it feels like half the time commentators are talking about it. I don't actually know how VAR works. It's just a thing that English football should get irate about. I think in the long haul, it's it's going to work well. And I think for the most part, as we saw in the World Cup, it does work well. There's going to be teething problems and the whole TV screen, TV thing that Stu mentioned was obviously a, a complete farce. And, you know, there's a question whether the referee should even be at the end of the day, he's the man in the middle making the decision. So in that scenario, maybe you should just be sticking with this decision if he's not able to see the screen and consult it rather than the game being refereed yeah. from another screen. That's absolutely got to be the case because we had a farcical situation where the referee tells the two captains, um, the screen isn't working, so I'm going to listen to my mm. uh, assistant referee through my earpiece describe what happened and make a decision on that basis so he's then you know and we know what it's like you know if you if you describe anything to somebody over the phone you 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 you're putting your own subjective opinions into that uh so the referee here's here's the view of the guy who's just said hold on a minute this could be a penalty so, so it's not the referee making opinion, is it? Or based on his own judgment, he's making it on the judgment of somebody else who's relaying it through his earpiece. It is nonsense. I mean, it, I, I'm I'm fully behind VAR, but they've got to sort this kind of stuff out, and it's got to be clear. And the obvious thing to do in that case was, I haven't got a TV monitor, I can't review it. Yeah. My immediate opinion was that it was a corner. I'm going to stick with my opinion. It's a corner. And then argue the toss afterwards, yeah. because otherwise it, you, you you descend into farce, and that's exactly what happened. Do you think the Premier League's ready for it next season, or do you think maybe we should they should take a look at it again? Well, I don't think should take a look at, at introducing it. They've just got to learn from the, these mistakes, you know, and make sure the equipment works, and make sure that referees are fully aware. Well, make sure that the video assistant referee is fully aware that this is only for clear and obvious errors. If if you look, if you have to look at it twice. You know, it's not a clear and obvious error. So you know, unless you think, oh my, oh, last like like the Willy Bolly handball against Wolves with City. As soon as you saw the replay, you, I mean, I, I saw it live and I thought he's headed it. As soon as I saw the replay, no, he's handballed it. Clear and obvious error from from the referee. Not the referee's fault because he was he was unsighted, but it was a clear and obvious error. So that's that's an obvious example. The, the Otamendi handball was not a clear and obvious error. Uh, because a lot of referees would give that, uh, wouldn't give that, having reviewed it. 
So it's not a clear and obvious error. And it's not for the VAR official to decide. He's not deciding. That is a definite penalty. He's got to think, yeah, maybe maybe another referee wouldn't give that. Yeah. So I can't declare that to be a clear and obvious error. They've got to get all these things sorted before it comes in the Premier League. <coughs> are, are we going to have this week after week? You know, yeah. Football's going to become completely dominated by VAR scandals. Uh, I think it can add to the game. But I think if it carries on the way we saw it the other night, it just makes a bit of a mess of the game. It just sort of breaks everything up and and stops people thinking about the football and thinking more about it the down, decisions, yeah. as, as, as Ty was saying before. If it's one that's so obviously subjective, like that handball, then you shouldn't be changing. You know, you, you probably shouldn't be changing the decision. And if it's one, if you've got the TV working and say the referee had watched it and said, I don't think it's a penalty, the VAR referee has watched it and said, I think it is a penalty. Well, that shows you you know had that screen been available that would show you it's subjective so stick with the on-field yeah. decision but it's there are going to be teething issues but I just it, it's one of those where I just feel like we're already I mean I know we're doing it here and I feel to the fire but it feels like we're already just like spending too much time debating it it's going to be beneficial there's going to be the odd teething issue there's going to be decisions we don't agree with and argue about because that's football and it is subjective you won't get you know 20 people in a room agreeing on a lot of decisions and it feels like we'll have we'll probably be having this discussion in six six months time when the Premier League yeah. adopts it in the first week of just the season just replay my section from this if you want yeah. to take that <laughs> podcast off yeah we'll do that <laughs> but, um, another thing from the game post-match was Pe- Pep's comment and from what I think everyone gathered was that Pep came out and said that City weren't ready to fight for the Champions League this season do you, do you think that's harsh or do you think that's the reality because I mean you look at in terms of bookmakers favourites and City right right at the top they're still favourites even though they just came through a tough test against Schalke yeah I mean I, I asked about that question in the press conference because uh, <coughs> I mean I'm not going to go back over the VAR thing but he, he, his instant reaction was no problem with it there were penalties there were both penalties it was a, it was a red card so I haven't got an issue with VAR, which kind of killed it as a as a scandal. Which, as journalists, we hate that because we like a good. He like said it might have been different. Um, might have been different if they didn't win. It might have been different <laughs> if they didn't. If they hadn't won the game, yeah, possibly. But Pep has been such a such a backer of the AR. He's been right behind it from from the day one that he couldn't really go against it the first time it goes against it's used and it goes against his team. So I suspect he might not have done that if uh, even if even if they had had lost the game. But uh, I said, all right, well, given the fact that you've given away two penalties and you've conceded a red card, um, how does this affect you going forward? And he, he said, he said, well, yeah, we, we can't. We can't do this. You know, without saying that we're going to face sterner opposition than Schalke, that's what he meant. You know, if you play like that and start giving away giving away penalties getting sent off against Barcelona or Real Madrid or Juventus or one of these teams you're going to get heavily punished for it uh, so City need to need to iron that out um, I mean it, I hear people saying that Fernand, that's the problem with playing Fernandinho at centre back uh, but they weren't saying that when he was excellent there against Arsenal um, and I don't think they would play Fernandinho at centre back against a Barcelona or a Real Madrid I think they would want a centre-back playing playing in that role it's just that Pep wants to fit all of his midfielders in as, as he always does you know he managed to cram another six midfielders into his team <laughs> on Wednesday night um, and I, I think that was his thinking but yeah the, 
it was a, it wasn't a great City performance, but they won the game. Uh, if they don't make those mistakes later in the competition, they could go all the way. We all know that. We know they've got the talent. Um, and perhaps it's a case of getting that bad performance out of the system at this stage and, and then not repeating it later in the competition. But they've not been great in the Champions League. You know, going into that game the other night, they, of the last 11 games, they've won five, lost five and drawn one. That's not the form of a team that, that's going to win the Champions League. You know, you don't, you, you don't see Real Madrid building up that kind of run. Um, or Barcelona, or rarely, anyway. Um, so yeah, they need to, they need to start stringing together wins and uh, and and sort out the, just just the details of the, of the game, which are letting them down at the moment. Yeah, and Ty, do you think that's the relative where City have maybe been new up this season? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I still think they're yeah, you know, like you said, they're favourites for the competition, they're favourites for a reason, and they have easily got it in their locker to win it. I think there's perhaps also a little bit that you know it feels like Pep is trying to play down talk of trophies at every possible opportunity we've reached that spell in the season again where quadruple is on everyone's mind and you know if you put it if you put it to Guardiola then you're going to get a pretty swift and decisive response it's March next week so you can't ask him I think yeah that was the deadline he set it feels like you know he's trying to sort of ease the the pressure and, and talk these things down so you know perhaps those sort of comments almost act as a bit of a warning to his players saying look you know we We've won nothing yet. We're going to have to play a lot better than that to win the Champions League. So I'm sure there's perhaps also an, an element of that in there. But, you know, defensively they've got issues, but they've also easily got the firepower going forward to win that competition. And Liverpool reached the final last year and they had severe issues defensively. So, you know, we, we talk about City being entertaining and conceding a lot of goals. It doesn't always have to stop you. As long as you score more than the opposition, then you'll get there. Liverpool managed it last season. City have easily got it within their compass to do that this year and they could tighten up defensively yeah so we're going to go to a quick break now and we'll speak about the Carabao Cup final afterwards but before we do we have our weekly quiz question and this one I think is a little bit better Stu I think you'll you'll like this it, one a bit so better it's not about football then because <laughs> <laughs> it's not capital cities no not I can confirm yeah. or 70s hits that'll do <laughs> it's about the Carabao Cup well EFL Cup or League uh, Cup or whatever okay. the official name term of it yeah. is now is that the question what's it called it's about that that is right. the topic so the question is City if they do win on Sunday will go second in the list of the most successful clubs in the competition's history it would be six titles but they're currently joined with three other clubs on five. Who are them three other clubs? Who wants to go first? Uh, but before we do, actually, we're going to go to a break. So join us afterwards where we will get the answers. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Before we left you, we left you a quick teaser question of which three clubs are currently joined with Manchester City on five League Cup titles. Stu says he knows two of them. There's one missing. But who are the two that you had? Well, no, I'll, I'll go for three. Oh, three. I, if if oh, I tell you the two, that gives bold. that gives Tyrone Tyrone two, doesn't it? There's one that might surprise you. <laughs> Maybe, possibly. I'm not helping him out in any kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> not making him look good here. <laughs> um, so I'll say Arsenal, Manchester United, and Chelsea. I've all got five each. I will. I will say. Two of them. Yeah, that's two. You've got two or three. Right. Arsenal's Chelsea. wrong. 
No, Arsenal are not in it. No, Arsenal have two. See, I said I put Arsenal first because I knew he'd think that was But the two that are right. Arsenal was the one I wasn't sure about. I knew Chelsea and United were fine. The two that are right are United and Chelsea. There's one more. That was the one that I mentioned. Five. And it's a bit of a surprise, you reckon? If you know your football history, you wouldn't be surprised. Well, you'd have to go, I think, a bit further back because I don't think they've won one. It's Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> go for Blackburn. Uh, pass. <laughs> Do we get another clue? Come they're in, on. They're in the championship. <laughs> they're in the championship. Oh, or football I'm, league. I think <laughs> I might know it now. You want to go? Leeds. Aston no. Villa. Villa. Spawn, Aston Villa it is. Villa. United, Villa, Chelsea, both town on five each. Yeah. Don't know when the last time Villa won it was, but I think minimum they 90. They won it in must, the 90s. Must be the 90s. Yeah, I think. I seem to remember winning early, in Early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it must have been, yeah. Before my time, anyway. <laughs> Moving on, we are going to discuss the cup final on Sunday. And Stu, I'll start with you. Where... Do you think it's a bit strange that City are going into this final is such overwhelming favourites against a big team? I mean, it's the first time I may think maybe it's been like yeah, this. It's crazy. I mean, cup finals are notoriously levelers. You, you don't often, especially against a, a club like Chelsea, and everyone's getting carried away by the fact that City beat Chelsea six 0 That that was a one off. That you know that was that was just everything that City hit in the first half went in, and it was four 0 at half time, and Chelsea was shell shocked. I mean, that, the chances of something like that happening again at, at Wembley are, are pretty slim. Um, and you look at look at recent cup, Carabao Cup finals. Uh, all right, City bossed Arsenal last season, but before that, uh, they struggled a little bit against Sunderland. They went 1-0 down. Um, they only beat Liverpool on penalties. Um, so, you know, cup finals rarely, rarely go one-sided. There's always something that... That, that sort of gets thrown up and Chelsea will be stung by that you know Chelsea aren't the kind of club that are going to think oh we just got battered by this lot so we're going to we're going to roll over there's no point in us turning up they will go into that game really stung and, and trying to prove that you know we're not a team that loses 6-0 on a regular basis I don't think they're going to go into it um, with any kind of inferiority complex uh, and the fact that they beat City they ended City's unbeaten run this season um, at Stamford Bridge although having said that City were excellent in the first half hour of that game as well and probably should have been should have been ahead in that game but it's a cup final it's Chelsea it will not be easy <laughs> you know I'd have it as a 50-50 game I wouldn't I wouldn't think City are favourites at all Ty would you go along with that? no <laughs> that's what I like to hear. <laughs> uh, I would, I would make City probably not as strong favourites as they are, but I'd certainly. I think it would be a major shock if maybe not a major shock, but I think it would be a shock <laughs> if they didn't win. I'm climbing down here. I boldly started out with a no, and now I've slowly yeah. closer to Stu's line here. But uh, you're going to go 51-49. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it would be a shock if City didn't win, considering how good City have been recently, considering that 6-0, considering there are clearly issues at Chelsea with Sarri's system. It's not it's no, it's not clicking at all. Um, it didn't sound like they were particularly brilliant last night, although they won in the end. They obviously weren't great again on Monday. They were really poor at City. They got thrashed by Bournemouth recently. So there's problems there. And I think part of the, part of the issue is that 
City and Guardiola know what Sarri's going to do because he's done the same in every single game this season. And even if it's not working, you know the substitutions are going to be pretty much like for like. So at the moment, you sense they're easy to prepare for. It, it might have been that case when he was at Napoli, but that Napoli was so finely tuned into his system that they were hard to stop, as City found out last year. But at the moment, Chelsea are so out of tune that they're not hard to stop. But you don't get the impression that Sarri's suddenly going to unleash some kind of tactical surprise here and, you know, put Kante next to Jorginho or suddenly go to 4-4-2. He, he's not. It's going to be 4-4-3 and the same sort of system. He's got a chance to be 4-4-3, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> he has got a chance, yeah. He has got a chance. That's what I, say, I, I mean, it's amazing what? it's not been working when he's got, got 12 players on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be 4-3-3. And, um, yeah, you, you know what to expect. And if he conquered it so well a couple of weeks ago, I think City, you'd make City strong favourites. I actually think there are similarities with this final to the one last year against Arsenal when everyone expected City to win it quite comfortably but there was that thought in the back of your mind it's a cup final anything can happen it is two big six teams but in the end it kind of played out as you'd expect and you know it wouldn't surprise me hugely if it went down that path again and we saw a similar result certainly if City score first and are looking confident and comfortable then I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea get an early goal and play like they did at, at the bridge then it's got a chance but those days at the moment seem to be quite quite in the rearview mirror for them yeah, and we're going to go on to the dreaded team selection debate <laughs> Stu oh. I mean we can start from the back in terms of goalkeepers I mean I know Muric has played most of the way to this yeah. uh, to this stage would you stick with him for this final because he's earned it or would you revert to Edison I wouldn't and what do you think Pep will do I, I don't think he will. I think he'll play strongest team, uh, which means Edison. It's a cup final. Uh, despite what he says, he's got an eye on winning all four trophies. Um, the, all these players want to win all four trophies. There's no doubt about that. Um, if it was Bravo, who was a number two and played in the Carabao Cup, I think he would stick with him. But Muric is a young lad. Um, he won't be... He'll be disappointed, I'm sure, not to play. But... He'll, he'll accept it Bravo wouldn't as a senior keeper um, he'd, he'd be he'd be most put out by it but Muric is just going to have to will accept the fact that it is a cup final um, and it's against strong opposition City haven't really had that much in the cup this season they've, they've been really lucky with the cup draws uh, and in the Carabao Cup it's, it's allowed him to keep play, playing Muric if, if they'd have had a tougher semi-final that would have been interesting to see whether they played uh, you know Muric in those games or not um, so no I mean I think he's got to he's got to go for Edison I think he's got to play strongest team and go out and try and win the game and it's one of the four trophies in the cabinet yeah Ty strongest team you think City should go for I think he'll probably play his strongest team yeah um, I'd quite like to see Foden start I think he's probably earned a chance in it a game like this we know he's not starting in the Premier League yet but he was brilliant at Newport last week um, he played fairly regularly in, in this run you know it, it kind of feels like he's perhaps deserved an earn to start in in this kind of game but it, you'd, you'd still consider it a surprise if he did play but I just think uh, you know I just think he's earned he's earned a shot at, at proving he can handle a, a game like this if it doesn't work he can always make a change but that's the one Perhaps if we're going for a surprise, that's the one I'd like to see. 
Yeah. You think Kevin De Bruyne will start on Sunday with his? Yeah, yeah. He seems a bit off for lately. I mean, it might be yeah. just rustiness or. Uh, well, I hope he's so. We were talking about this after the game, uh, after the Schalke game the other night. He, he's still not quite himself. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a case, of, I mean, somebody even put the suggestion to me that maybe last season was the one-off. Maybe you know because he was absolutely brilliant for virtually the entire season, and that you know. It, it might be one of those cases where you get a player who has that one fantastic season in them and they might have a good career. The rest of the career might be good or even exceptional, but they, they can never reach those heights again. Um, and you look at De Bruyne's injuries, he's had, he's had, two, he's, he's had injuries to two knees um, and you, he, he looks he doesn't look as strong on the ball. You know, he, he, he was getting knocked off the ball against Schalke. Uh, he... he he just physically doesn't look the same player. Now I'm hoping that the person who put that to me is wrong, and that you know he will give him give him a week or two and a few more games under his belt, and he'll, he'll be as good as ever. Um, but you never can tell. You never can tell whether it's it's. It seems to be taking a long time for him to get back this time. In past games, he's he's played. He's come on. He's he's played like sixty minutes. Then he's played seventy minutes, and then in the third game, he's been brilliant again. This time he's been he's been playing and playing and playing and he you still see I mean to be honest he get in almost any well I I reckon he get in any other team in the Premier League yeah at the level he's playing at but <clears throat> City are a different kettle of fish you know he's and and I'm sure it's going through Pep's mind whether to play him or not I play him personally because I think he's the kind of player that can win you a game even when he's not not playing at 100% he'll, he'll come up with something uh, the very fact that right at the end of the Schalke game they had a free kick 30 yards out that's De Bruyne territory he just he shrugged his shoulders and let Leroy Sane take it which was the right decision as it turned out but you know he, that, that wouldn't have been he'd have been all over that last season you'd have had to take the ball off him to, to, to take that free kick but I'd, I'd play him because he's he, he is Kevin De Bruyne and he, he's capable of doing doing stuff and against Chelsea as well. You know, I think he's uh, former club. He'll, he'll be fired yeah. up um, and he'll he'll want to do something special. Um, I, I don't go with the idea that he's you know he's, he's perhaps perhaps he'll never return to the heights that, he's, that he, he he was at last season. I think I think class is permanent and, and form is temporary and his form is being affected. By the fact that he he was out injured for so long this season. Yeah, you think a you think a preseason would do him good uh, next season, but yeah. he's still only what twenty twenty six I think is he? So twenty six twenty seven. So he's still got four or five years. You'd, you'd imagine that at the top level. Ty, would you would you go along? Would you have? Would you think De Bruyne would make the starting eleven this Sunday, or do you think it might be a yeah, on the bench? I, you'd think he'd make the starting eleven, but. You know, there is still a sense that he is easing his way back from injury and having played in Germany on Wednesday night, it, it perhaps wouldn't be the biggest surprise to see him back on the bench. It, you know, it's a big pitch at Wembley as well. It always seems like a physical workout. Um, so you, you'd still put him in City's best team for me at the moment, but it, I don't think it'd be a huge surprise if he was on the bench and, and perhaps, you know, used as an impact sub if required. You just never know with Pep Guardiola there. You don't. You never know. So, I mean, Wembley this weekend again. It's due for you. It's back-to-back seasons. Looking forward to it. Excited. 
yeah, was it worn yeah, off a little bit? I was, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been there now, but it's it's, it's well into double figures. Um, yeah, there's, there's always a little bit of a thrill going to Wembley. Um, I mean, the stadium doesn't particularly live up to it these days, I don't think, because you, you don't tend to get the atmospheres that you used to do, and it's all a little bit corporate and stuff like that. But um, there's still got there's a magic about the name, isn't there? There's a magic about a cup final, uh, no matter how much you try and uh, try and sanitise it and uh, turn it into a into a televisual spectacular. Um, I mean, it used to be about the fans, but it is more about you know fireworks and, and flames shooting up in the air and zeppelins. <laughs> and, and I think no, let, no, the fans are just sort of watching it rather than sort of being part of the entertainment, which they always used to be. So it'll be a halftime show in a few years' time. Yeah, yeah. What a terrible thought that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, but that's, that's perhaps me being a grumpy old man. But I, I used to, I used to love cup finals for that. You know, fans would come along, they'd make their own banners, uh, and Wembley Cup finals, especially the FA Cup final, used to be used to get like witty banners, you know, pun banners and stuff. You don't really see a lot of that going on these days. Um, so I, I sort of hanker back, uh, hanker for those those kind of days. But it's still, it is still a special day out. You know, it's it's going down to that London, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> and showing the Southerners how to play a bit of football. That's uh, that's that's what it comes down to. Me and you will get to watch that from the office. Ty, we will, we will. Excited? Can't wait, mate. Can't <laughs> wait. Let's hope it's uh, let's hope it's a cracker. <laughs> let's hope so. Thank you for joining us, Stu, Ty. Um, we will be back next week after City hopefully lift their sixth League Cup. So until then, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Acast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whichever relevant platform you listen to. And we will join you again sometime next week. <laughs>